Welcome to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast, the podcast where we interview Jewish philosophers and educators on topics in Jewish philosophy, theology, and Jewish thought. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and visit www.jewishphilosophypodcast.com for more information. Enjoy! Rabbi Dr. Harris, welcome to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast. The title of this podcast is The Problem of Evil and Jewish Philosophy. So to begin, how did you become involved in Jewish philosophy? Thank you very much, Benjamin, for hosting me on the podcast. It's a great pleasure to be taking part. Um, I became involved in Jewish philosophy um, really um, via uh, philosophy um, rather than um, via Judaism, although um, I encountered my Judaism uh, really from birth much earlier in my life than philosophy. But what really... Um, attracted me to Jewish philosophy was philosophy itself. I did um, undergraduate um, degree in philosophy at uh, Cambridge University in the 80s um, and uh, enjoyed the subject very much indeed. Um, And uh, already at that stage was uh, beginning to think about the obvious connections between and ramifications of um, sources in our tradition to uh, some philosophical questions And then when I went on to uh, doing a master's at Hebrew University of Jerusalem, um, I was able to major in philosophy, but to do a minor in uh, Machshevet Israel in Jewish thought, um, which enabled me to combine the the two uh, disciplines of philosophy and and Jewish philosophy um, to a greater extent and in a more formal way. Um, And then it was kind of a natural progression Um, went on to my PhD on divine command ethics, um, which was a genuine blend of analytic philosophy and analysis of Jewish texts. Um, And since then, um, that's the field I've been working in, really, on trying to bring um, Jewish texts and uh, philosophical issues, particularly in philosophy, religion and in ethics, into uh, dialogue with each other. Um, Something which fortunately is... um, gaining a lot of traction. There are um, quite a few of us doing that now. um, And uh, I think it's a very exciting uh, project. Okay, excellent. So for the first question, could you tell us what exactly is the problem of evil? The problem of evil um, in its classical formulation in the history of Western philosophy um, is... Uh, a problem which is really framed uh, in terms of a logical contradiction. Um, And the problem is, how can a God who, according to um, traditional uh, Judaism and even more so since Western philosophy is uh, more influenced, of course, by Christianity, um, in uh, the Christian tradition as well, God is usually perceived as being omnipotent, um, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnibenevolent, totally good. Um, And uh, that appears on the face of it to to be contradicted, or the existence of such a God with those attributes appears to be contradicted by the existence of evil, or some prefer prefer to talk about the problem of suffering um, in the world, particularly as horrendous suffering in the world, how is it that a God who is all good and all powerful and all knowing doesn't stop it, uh, doesn't prevent that suffering? Um, it, it suggests the suggestion is that 
um, God either doesn't know about the suffering or he's not pow powerful enough to prevent it um, or he's not good. Um, but the traditional um, attributes of God, the traditional picture of God um, that we have in the Jewish and Christian traditions um, seems on the face of it to be undercut by the existence of uh, of evil, of uh, of human suffering. Um, so that's like the classical formulation um, in the Western philosophical tradition. Um, it's important to point out, though, um, it's a point I first came across many years ago in, in Rabbi Sachs's writings. Uh, he pointed out that the Jewish formulation of the problem of evil in our classical sources tends to be much more about distribution. Um, so we ask, why is it that there are righteous people who suffer, tzaddik varalo? Why are there wicked people who prosper, rasha v'tovlo? Um, and uh, the although, um, of course, um, traditional Jewish thought would identify with the conception of God as being all-powerful, all-knowing and wholly good, um, it's interesting that uh, in a starting in already in in the in Tanakh in the Hebrew Bible we tend to phrase the put to formulate the problem um, in a slightly different way. Um, I should make two further distinctions um, in answer to the question what the pro problem of evil is. Um, I mentioned the logical problem of evil, in other words, the idea that um, the uh, ascribing to God his traditional attributes. Um, seems to uh, be logically incompatible with the existence of evil uh, and suffering in the world. Um, but um, in recent uh, decades, um, there's been a lot of focus on what's called the evidential problem of evil in the philosophy of religion. In, the, in other words, the idea that uh, not that the existence of evil in the world um, is logically incompatible with the existence of a God with the traditional attributes of God, but rather... Um, that the existence of evil in the world um, makes it unlikely, uh, is, counts as strong evidence against the existence of the, uh, of the traditional God. So a slightly softer version um, of the uh, problem of evil in, in some ways, but obviously still a very major challenge um, to traditional theists. Um, and the other distinction um, I should make is between natural evil and moral or human-made evil. Um, that's a traditional distinction that philosophers make. Um, there is evil that human beings perpetrate. Um, human beings uh, very sadly throughout history, of course, murdered each other, tortured each other, etc. Um, but that's a, that's a different um, branch of the problem of evil, as it were, from the problem of natural events. Uh, or acts of God, we might say, earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis, um, etc. Um, so uh, I hope that that answers the question and makes some of the basic distinctions. Okay, perfect. So what have been the classical Jewish responses to the problem of evil or the problem of suffering, um, as you posed it? Um, we have a rich um, literature uh, within uh, our tradition um, responding uh, in one way or other or another to the problem of evil um, may be useful to um, distinguish between um, four time periods um, really um, because uh, really throughout history um, we have um, 
been very aware of and grappled with this this issue in Jewish tradition. Um, most obviously, we have first of all, uh, and in the first historical stratum, we have Sefer Eov, the Book of Job, which of course is an entire book of Tanakh devoted to um, the problem of suffering. Um, so that is uh, one um, that that is a foundational and very important source. Um, book of Job is of course, famously open to different readings and different interpretations. What is the response of the book of, of Job to the problem of evil? Um, the Some have suggested the end of the book uh, suggests a position called sceptical theism, which we, uh, we'll come back to a little uh, later on, um, that we don't really have an answer to the problem of evil, neither should we expect to. Um, there are verses in the book of Job which suggests, uh, Job says at one point to God, um, that that now my eye has seen you. In other words, um, Job seems to suggest that he has some um, closer knowledge of God through his terrible experience of, su of suffering than his um, knowledge of God beforehand, um, which suggests um, a, a kind of theodicy, a divine intimacy theodicy, again, which I'll say a little more about later. Um, so the point is that the book of, of Job um, certainly does um, address the question, um, obviously not in a systematic philosophical way, because um, traditional Jewish sources tend not to do that, um, but it does it in a, in a powerful way, but it's not clear um, which exactly which uh, approach which single approach if indeed any one single approach is being offered um, so that's one uh, historical stratum then going on in history to stage two we have Chazal we have the sages the rabbis um, of the uh, of the Talmud um, who uh, offer various approaches to um, the problem of evil not all of them consistent with each other so for example we have um, one of the traditional approaches in Western thought to the problem of evil is punishment theodicy, um, ba basically uh, state, stated very, uh, very simply the idea that um, punishment, uh, that, that suffering is a punishment, is God's punishment for evil that we have, the sins that we've committed. Um, that is something that we encounter in the Mishnah. Um, we encounter it as uh, Yaakov Elman has written um, several very important articles on this subject, points out it's a uh, encountered very much in the Yerushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud, um, but um, in a famous uh, sugya, a famous section of the Babylonian Talmud in Tractate Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, um, the Gemara concludes that there is such a thing as suffering without sin, so that appears to be a rejection of punishment theodicy, so you know, just as our, our rich Talmudic tradition has disagreements in many other areas, um, it appears to have different views on this uh, subject as well. Um, but we have a range of other theodicies uh, there as well. Um, we have, uh, of course, the idea of Olam Haba, of the world to come, looming large. Um, the idea, for example, in the Talmud, in the Gemara and Kiddushin, that uh, God brings suffering on righteous in this world in order to be able to reward them more fully in the world to come. Um, we have the idea also of vicarious atonement, which we might perhaps um, instinctively associate with Christianity. But it's important to point out that it's there in our sources as well. Um, the idea of um, righteous people in the generation um, being uh, suffering as vicarious atonement for the sins of their generation as a whole. 
Um, and uh, we also have a strand in the Talmudic uh, literature of sceptical theism, again, which we'll come back to shortly. So we have a whole a rich um, array of, of responses in, uh, in Chazal and rabbinic literature. Um, so that's level number two. Level number one, biblical. Level number two, rabbinic. Level number three, I'd say medieval Jewish philosophy. Um, so won't go into this in, in detail in order to because uh, our time is limited, but of course we have approaches from great medieval Jewish thinkers like Rav Sajjeh Gaon, like uh, Ral Bug, uh, Gersonides, like Rambam, like Maimonides in the Guide of the Perplexed. So we have that whole um, literature as well, which is a more systematic um, approaches to the problem of evil, um, closer to like contemporary philosophy and the style with which it deals with the issues. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, modern Jewish thought. Um, and um, an area which springs to mind immediately, of course, is uh, post-Holocaust theology, um, where we have all kinds of um, of different approaches, um, approach of, of Ralph Soloveitchik, um, approach of, uh, of, we have approaches by Fackenheim, uh, Rubenstein, uh, Maybaum, um, other, th- other thinkers um, across the denominational range. Um, so we have uh, really within the resources of, um, both Jewish tradition and modern Jewish thought, um, really um, serious level of engagement with the problem of evil. So, okay, thank you. So how do these responses, um, the Jewish responses from Jewish sources and Jewish philosophy, how do they compare to the responses given in the non-Jewish world and the non-Jewish philosophy of religion? How do they compare? So um, I would say that um, there are quite a few interesting points of comparison. And uh, again, in order to keep things manageably brief, let me just um, focus on two uh, theodicies, which are theodicy, because I perhaps should have explained when we define the problem of evil uh, from the Greek, um, theos, God, decay, justification, justification of God, and theodicy is an attempt to um, answer to justify the weight of God to man um, uh, to in other words to uh, show how it could be that a God with all the traditional attributes of omnipotence omniscience and omnibenevolence um, might nevertheless allow suffering and evil to happen in the world which he's created um, so uh, soul-making theodicy which is a very inf- influential uh, theodicy and contemporary philosophy of religion, um, pioneered by John Hick um, in his uh, famous book *Evil and the God of Love*. Um, drawing, although um, interestingly enough, um, I noticed recently reading C.S. Lewis's book on the problem of evil um, that um, he anticipates it to an extent. Um, Soul making uh, draws on a poem of John Keats. Uh, where he refer, Keats refers to the world as a veil of soul making, um, and the idea is developed by Hick in *Evil and the God of Love*, is that um, we need a world which is full of danger, of risk, um, of setbacks, of obstacles, in order to make uh, much of moral life possible. Um, without the dangers and the obstacles and the setbacks. Um, there would be no room for love, for compassion, for courage, um, for unselfishness, 
um, all of those um, aspects of the key aspects of the moral life involve a world which is something um, like uh, like the world which we have. Um, interestingly enough, um, you asked about points of comparison. Um, Hick is well aware that soul-making theodicy can't work for all cases of evil and suffering in the world um, because tragically um, we witness um, people who are so crushed by suffering um, that they are no longer um, able to um, live a full life of any sort and they're certainly their moral lives uh, and certainly not being enhanced by their suffering. The suffering is just too crushing. In order to cope with those cases, which Hick refers to as dysteleological suffering, um, he uh, he uh, focuses on the idea of um, life after death, what we in Jewish tradition would call Olam Haba, the world to come, um, which is, of course, there in our in our uh, early sources um, as a response to the problem of evil. So that's uh, that's another matchup. Um, but in terms of the soul making theodicy itself, um, the idea that um, that suffering um, somehow um, makes us morally better or encourages moral responses in uh, those around us. Um, we have that idea appearing in uh, Rav Yosef Albo, Rabbi Joseph Albo in Sefer Ikarim, important work of medieval um, Jewish philosophy. Um, so um, I think that's an interesting um, comparison. Um, it is Rabbi Yosef Abo has a rich treatment of the problem of evil. Um, and um, I find it fascinating that um, he anticipates to a large extent um, soul making theodicy, which is, as I mentioned, an important theodicy in contemporary um, philosophical discussion of the problem of evil. Um, so soul making theodicy is one point of contact. Um, a second uh, one, um, it, I'd like, which I'd like to refer to, um, has to do with the longest discussion of the problem of suffering um, in the Babylonian Talmud, which is the discussion in Tractate Brachot um, of Yisurin Shelahava, fascinating concept of the sufferings of love. Um, and um, that idea of the sufferings of love, uh, of course, can be interpreted in different ways. Um, but uh, one way in which I think it can be interpreted uh, is uh, as being close to um, a very recent uh, theodicy which has been developed um, by Laura Waddle-Ekstrom and others, uh, divine intimacy theodicy, um, the idea that um, somehow um, it, when God brings suffering on a person, that can foster a closer relationship um, between God and that individual um, than would otherwise have been the case. Um, that appears to be a plausible uh, reading of uh, the concept of the sufferings of love, Yisrin Shalava, which we have in our tradition. Um, so I think those are just some of the um, points of contact that we have between um, theodicies suggested in our so traditional sources and contemporary approaches in uh, analytic philosophy of religion. So maybe you could just expand a bit um, upon the intimacy um, theodicy and just explain how exactly suffering brings the sufferer closer to God. Maybe you can expand upon that a bit. Right. Uh, so there are different 
um, ways one could go here. Um, one way in which one uh, could uh, go is to suggest that um, in the suffering itself, um, one is um, brought closer to God. Um, obviously, for Christian philosophers, um, that may be a much more natural idea um, because uh, of their uh, perception in, in Christian tradition um, of, of the suffering divinity. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, we do have um, the idea in uh, traditional Jewish sources of, as well of some kind of, as it were, um, divine suffering, the idea of God's presence, the Shekhinah going into Galut, going into exile um, together with the Jewish people. Um, and uh, you have a missionary in, in Sanhedrin um, about God um, complaining when someone suffers about, as it were, himself suffering pain. Of course, uh, traditionally, we don't interpret these um, literally in, a, uh, in any sense. But the idea that um, God can be described as suffering um, is something that's there uh, in our early tradition. It's not something um, entirely strange. Um, so maybe that is one way in which can, one can uh, explain the, the idea. Um, or one, so there are various ways of teasing it out. One could also suggest that. Um, not in the suffering itself, but somehow through the experience of it, um, through the loneliness of it. Um, you know, people who are suffering um, in, in a deep way uh, often talk about the loneliness. You know, that even their nearest and dearest can't really understand what it's like. Um, Ralph Soloveitchik has a, a beautiful uh piece uh in i think it's in out of the whirlwind uh collection of his of his essays on a Jew, the pro problem of suffering um which he describes himself waiting for a major operation um and praying to god and feeling that he as a very lonely person at that time uh, only he could really you know fully um identify with the situation he was in however loving and and, and close to him his relatives were um, and he writes beautifully about encountering the loneliest being, um, which is, of course, um, God, who is who is one on his own. Um, and so th that is another way in which we could tease out the idea of um, suffering being as close to God. It is, though, um, as Ekstrom and others have pointed out in the general rather than the Jewish discussion, um, a uh, an idea one has to be very careful with. Um, you know, we need to we need to avoid um, the spectre of masochism, of seeking out suffering in order to get close to God um, and so on. There are various obvious challenges which uh, which have to be dealt with. Um, but uh, the, the idea that somehow um, suffering can bring us closer to God um, is I think I find it fascinating that that idea in contemporary divine intimacy theodicy um, it may well be present already, um, very near the beginning of our of our Bavli, of our Babylonian Talmud. Okay, so thank you for that. So what is, you mentioned before, sceptical theism. So what is sceptical yeah. theism? 
and how does it offer a response to the problem of evil? So sceptical theism, um, first of all, uh, one should point out that it is not the, gre the greatest, uh, most felicitous uh, term um, because the adjective sceptical doesn't qualify the noun theism. Um, sceptical theism um, is uh, really a combination of um, theism, in other words, belief in God with God's traditional attributes, um, and scepticism, um, skept epistemological scepticism, scepticism about um, what kind of knowledge um, human beings have. Um, so, uh, where sceptical theism, when you say it sounds like being sceptical about theism, about the existence of God, so it's not like it's a combination of the of the two things. The the, the core idea is um, that um, the problem of evil doesn't count as evidence against God's existence um, because God exists. That's the theism in sceptical theism. But uh, if God exists it would be very reasonable to assume that there is a very large divine human gap such that the fact that we human beings can't perceive a reason why God should allow a particular evil or particular suffering, um, the fact that we can't define a reason which would uh, morally justify allowing the suffering doesn't mean that God doesn't have a, a valid such reason or reasons, given that, you know, God on, on the theistic, once we accept theism, created the world, governs the world, etc., um, knows so much more about, about it than we are able to, um, then it is quite plausible that um, he would have reasons which we are um, just not, uh, we just don't have access to. Um, so that that's the core idea of sceptical theism. I mean, it's been developed in um, very sophisticated ways. There's a whole literature on it, um, but that is the uh, that's the core idea, and it has um, gained um, a lot of traction, I think, in philosophy of religion um, recently as a uh, non-theodical -the response to the problem of evil. As you, you know, you can theodicize. Um, but you could also respond philosophically to the problem of evil by saying, um, I'm a sceptical theist, I'm not offering a theodicy, um, I'm arguing on philosophical grounds that um, the, that, uh, the problem of evil doesn't undermine uh, the many arguments from the problem of evil, uh, many formulations of the problem of evil don't um, undermine the idea of the existence of God um, because we just haven't got access to the reasons uh, which God has. Okay, so is the response of sceptical theism really a response or is it sort of just giving into the problem itself? Do you see it as a, as a, as a proper response? Uh, so I, I do see it as a proper response. Um, I, I see it as, um, you know, it, it's not just saying um, we can't answer the problem either, we just don't know. Um, I think it's a sceptical theist is saying more than that. A sceptical theist is saying um, there are very good reasons why we shouldn't expect to know um, the reasons that God might have. Um, so I think you know, it goes further than just um, giving up on the, uh, on, on the problem and, and refusing to address it. I think it is a, uh, I think it is a genuine response. I say particularly when it's um, developed in a, 
sophisticated way as is happening in the contemporary literature, um, I think it is a uh, it, it is a, a valuable response. Um, and also, I think it is a very important counterweight to uh, any theodicy that's offered, in the sense that. Um, almost any theodicy that's offered uh, tends to leave us uh, ultimately unsatisfied. Um, one gets the feeling that um, a given theodicy, influential theodicy might indeed be able to uh, go a long way to resolving the problems of evil in some cases, but that it deals with the whole problem of evil, with every case of suffering and evil, all types of suffering and evil, now, that seems a step too far. You know, so soul-making theology, just to take one example, which we mentioned before. Yes, of course, we all know cases. We all know people in our lives about whom we can say that the suffering that they un underwent or that someone close to them underwent um, had some uh, very salutary results and they grew through it. And, you know, we can see that that's plausible, even though, of course, we never know what's going on inside another human being. Um, we can see that that's a plausible way of reading what happens in, in, in episodes in their lives um, or indeed in our own lives. But, but to say that that would solve every uh, instance of evil and suffering um, is, is very difficult. Um, and I think that is true of every theodicy. And to have an approach which says there are good philosophical reasons for thinking um, that we wouldn't know um, what God's reasons are um, I think that is a that's an important corrective to um, to the whole approach of theodicy, and I, I think it's valuable. Okay, um, so I also think... yes. Sorry, go on, go on. You go, go on, go on, go on. You go on. Okay, I um, I think this may have been um, what you were, you were about to ask me, Benjamin, which was um, I also think that it's very well grounded in the Jewish tradition. Excellent. Right. Exactly. So uh, what, is, is there any indication yeah. of sceptical theism in Jewish sources? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot. Um, I think, again, going back to uh, Sefer Eof to the book of Job, uh, Job chapter 38, um, in famous uh, God's speech uh, uh, to uh, Job, he says, Where were you, Job, when I created the world? Um, that, that seems to allude to uh, the, the core idea of sceptical theism. Um, we weren't around when God created the world. Um, we just don't have access um, to knowing why um, God might uh, might permit uh, might permit suffering. Um, interestingly, also, actually, while we're talking about the book of Job in this context, um, as um, several uh, thinkers have pointed out, um, Rabbi Sachs, I mentioned before, P Professor David Schatz, um, who's written some great stuff on uh, the problem of evil and Jewish approaches to it. Um, they point out that, um, as it were, the, the pious answer of, of, of some of Job's friends, that his suffering was punishment for sin. And um, it's really rejected um, by, by God in, in the book. And uh, it's Job who was relentlessly questioning and protesting, who receives the, the positive answer. Um, so at least on that one um, theodicy, punishment theodicy, Book of Job appears to uh, prefer the questions of Job over the the answers of his of his friends. Um, but more broadly, I think that line, where were you when I created the world, 
um, and perhaps some other verses in the book of Job as well um, do suggest um, skeptical, uh, the essence of the skeptical theist position. Um, we also have uh, Rav Yanai in Pirkei uh, Avot, in the Ethics of the Fathers, chapter four, um, in a famous Mishnah, uh, who says, um, who says, Ein biadenu lo mishalvat harishaim v'af lo tzadikim. It's not in our power to explain um, either the tranquility of the righteous, uh, sorry, the tranquility of the wicked or the suffering of the righteous. Again, framing things in, in that typically Jewish way um, about the distribution of, e of, of evil and suffering between um, righteous people and wicked people. Um, and a, such a beautiful missioner, I think. Um, that's all Rav Yanai says. Um, he says, I don't, we don't have the answer. End of that missioner. Um, and Ravianai continues his life as Ravianai, um, as one of the great sages and teaches us, you know, the old Jewish lesson so important for Jewish philosophers, you know, um, no one ever died from an unresolved philosophical question. Some of the best thing is to uh, to keep an open mind and to grapple with these things. Um, but uh, just to say, Ainbia, we just don't know. Um, I think um, it is, uh, again, alluding to the sceptical theist. Um, position. Um, then uh, another very important source, um, going back to Gemara and Brachot, Tractate Brachot, first tractate of the Talmud, um, Dafsayin, page seven, uh, where we have the opinion of Rabbi Meir that Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, um, made several requests of God. One of them was for God to explain to him um, the answer to the problem of evil. Why do the uh, righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? And according to Rabbi Meir's opinion, um, Moshe was not given the answer um, to that question. God refused to to answer that. Um, again, uh, suggesting um, you know we we have no answer. Um, but the suggestion, you know, from that tenor of the discussion, that this isn't just oh we don't know shrug our shoulders. It's that at some deep level um, we can't know. Um, again, I think um, intimating the skeptical theist uh, position. Um, and so there, were, so there's a, a few classical sources, um, and then jumping um, forward again to contemporary Jewish philosophy. Of course, um, Rabbi Soloveitchik um, famously uh, argues that the metaphysics of the problem of evil are not important; it's the ethics that's important. In other words, um, reflecting, or he puts the argument about the metaphysics in different ways, um, in different places. But one central uh, strand of his argument is that philosophizing about the problem of evil is futile, will never solve the metaphysical problem of why um, a god with the attributes that uh, we traditionally believe him to have should allow evil. Um, but uh, what what our tradition wants us to do is to act, is to act ethically, to fight evil, to respond to it, um, to limit its uh, power as much as possible, to limit its effects. Um, and, um, and again, that's an, you know, futile. In other words, we, we will just never get to the answer. Um, we don't have the, the intellectual resources to get to a satisfactory resolution of the metaphysical issues. Um, but having said uh, all of that, um, Benjamin, I want, want to stress that, of course, that is, I wouldn't say for a moment that sceptical theism is the only approach in Jewish tradition. Um, we have a very rich tradition, as I pointed out. Um, many different theodicies are suggested. Um, and um, sceptical theism is one voice in, in the tradition, although um, personally, for what it's worth, I find it a very appealing one. 
Um, but you know, we shouldn't deny that we do have theologies in in, in uh, central, crucial, uh, foundational works of of, of Jewish tradition. Um, and indeed, um, we have approaches which champion theodicy. Uh, for example, Ramban Nachmanides in Shah Gamul um, in, says, don't throw your hands up and say, look, since we believe God is justified, ultimately, what's the point in bothering with theodicies? No, he says it's important for us to justify the ways of God, um, to internalize his justice, and therefore theodicy is a very important project. So I would say sceptical theism is there as part of the rich set of responses that um, Jewish tradition and contemporary Jewish philosophy bring to the problem of evil. Rabbi Dr. Harris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to the Jewish Philosophy Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and visit us on Twitter for updates on every episode. Thank you.